Welcome to the Nerd Stalgic Podcast with your host, the Ginger Howdy beans, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Nerd Sergeant Podcast with me, your host Luke the Human. Hope you're doing well, hope you're all good, as per usual. So you're probably all wondering and asking the question, Luke, why are we not doing Bioshock 2 today? And my simple answer is, well I've already given you two episodes so far. You know, I did one episode on the book, um, where I broke down how that movie that book could be a foundation for potential movie that if netflix are actually making one hopefully they would follow the book and use that as a foundation as a template also i did a long almost two hour long review of the actual first bioshock video game talking about everything and anything that i could my thoughts my feelings um yeah so you know those episodes are now up on spotify and youtube so you can go check them out um i really do hope you like them and all that jazz but i figured i wanted to do something this week that was something that i hadn't done in a long time and that i've been wanting to watch this movie for quite a while i've been wanting to watch this movie to be honest since i started this series um but i figured i'll do it now because if i don't do it now i won't get to probably do it in in june because you've got the um summer games fest coming up in june which we'll have xbox and playstation and all the different sort of companies are going to come out and sort of announce all their new um video games and that sort of thing again this year there's no e3 sadly e3 has been cancelled so i'm going to be covering all of the gaming showcases and all that sort of stuff that, that happens in june so i won't have time in june june is all done for gaming completely so i won't have time to talk about this movie uh any other time so i wanted to fit it in now in may and then hopefully i can get around to uh, Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs and Rio and all that uh, later on in the year. So I won't slide in it because, again, I've been really, really excited too. I'm going to get room for it in June. So it most likely will end up being July. So I wanted to do it now. So before I get into the topic, uh, one thing I do want to say is make sure that you follow me on Twitter at nerdstagic underscore pod for updates at everything and anything that I'm doing, playing, watching and just random bits of nerdy thoughts and things that I tweet on there. Also, um, if you listen to this on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. That really, really helps. Also, ring my bell next to the subscribe button. There should be a bell. You press that, you get notifications on everything and anything that I post. Um, anything I upload, something new, you get a notification straight to your phone or to your computer or email even. So don't forget to ring my bell. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed, please do. It means a lot. As of recording this, I'm currently at 77 subscribers, which is insane for me because i never thought i'd ever get past 50 so to reach 77 is is incredible so thank you very very much if you have subscribed um so yeah so today i'm going to be talking about one of my favorite movies from 2008 which is dr zeus's horton here's a who uh, by the wonderful people at blue sky studios and nobody who knows what Blue Skies do? If this is your first uh, episode that you're listening to me, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Um, but if you're a current uh, viewer, then you will know that in the past, when I used to do my season one, and I've done it here with season two, is I look back at Blue Sky Studios. And what I mean by that is, um, to give you a long and short about of it, Blue Sky Studios was a studio that was under the Fox banner. 
and they did a lot of movies. They did in total about 13 movies in the from 2002 all the way to 2019. They're mostly known for making uh, movies like Ice Age, Robots, um, Rio, Epic, The Penguin, The Peanuts Movie, Ferdinand, Spies in Disguise, that sort of thing. Um, but they're mostly known for doing Ice Age. And from 2002 to 2019, they, like, as I mentioned, they made 13 films, all varying in quality. People liked them, you know, in their own sort of way. Um, and then in 2019, 2020, um, the Disney merger happened. Disney bought the rights to Fox which took all their assets, one of the assets being Blue Sky Studios. Um, one of the Blue Sky Studios' last movie was Spies in Disguise. Sadly, that movie didn't do very well, and Disney, being Disney, decided to close shop, shut the gates, and basically liquidate um, the studio. And all, as far as I'm aware from my research, a lot of the people that worked at Blue Sky was then shoveled off to uh, Disney Animation and Pixar and all the other sort of animated studios that Disney owns. And the reason why I like I'm looking back at Blue Sky Studios is because it's a cornerstone of, of my um, childhood. You know, I grew up watching Ice Age. I grew up loving robots. And to me, they always felt like a animated studio kind of. And some people might dis will probably disagree with me here, but it feels like in the vein of Studio Ghibli. You know what I mean? Like they they're very rare. They, they make they made movies that you didn't see anywhere else. You know why? DreamWorks was off basically doing nothing but Shrek, which don't get me wrong, I love Shrek, but where DreamWorks kind of started off as really, really incredible with the Princess of Egypt and all that, um, Road to El Dorado, then Shrek came out, and then from Shrek it was just, we're just going to do everything Shrek, 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 and, you know, don't get me wrong, I love those movies and Kung Fu Panda and all that, but they all just kind of followed one line. Pixar, again, they also did fantastic sort of creative, artsy sort of films, um, but even now they've started to basically following the vein of doing the same thing over and over again um again disney was the same and all that jazz so for me dream like uh, uh, blue sky studios always did something different you know even if they were doing ice age and they always felt like they were doing tried to do something different you know what i mean i love them for that and like i said they're a cornerstone of my childhood so i've decided to look back on this studio and to look about their movies and talk about the movies and, and kind of bring more light to these films because obviously everybody knows these films but you never see anybody talk about them movie reviewers or podcasters or youtubers or whatever you always see them talk about dreamworks and pixar and again studio ghibli and all this but blue sky studios kind of gets put to the wayside you know, they don't get talked about a lot. So I want to be that guy uh, who comes along and, and talks about Blue Sky Studios. So that's sort of more of an like introduction to anybody who's, who's new to the channel, new to the podcast, and is wondering what it is and as to why I'm talking about not just this movie, but Blue Sky Studios in general. So that's going to give you a sort of a recap. Um, now, to give you an introduction to the film, uh, today I'm going to be talking about Horton Hears a Who. Um I love this movie. I absolutely adore it. Um, I remember when I first watched it, it, I was laughing all the way through. Now, granted, I am the, well, I was, shall we say, and I guess in a way I still am at 25. But at 2008, so how old was I, 2008? Uh, I was born in 98, so yeah, 10. I was about 10. Um, I was about 10 years old when this movie came out. And again, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was an absolute treat. Reason being is because it was, it was silly, you know, and again, this is the thing I've spoke about many times with Blue Sky Studios films is the fact of they made films that, yes, were for kids, but there were jokes in them that when you watch them repeatedly, 
as an adult um you notice certain jokes and you notice certain things that they that characters say or do and you're like that's an adult joke you know what i mean and i love when movies do this and like you know dreamworks and pixar and disney they do it themselves but blue sky studios they they it was like they they were always on the nose it was always very cheeky you know a lot of things that they came out with was like especially as an adult you're watching like ah you know for example aunt fanny you know what i mean like in the uk yeah i ain't gonna describe it what we in the uk we all know what a fanny is but in america a fanny is a bum is somebody's butt you know bum cheeks and all that um again in the uk it's funnier in the uk than it is in america um but you know it's one of those things it's very cheeky very on the nose you know they got robin williams in robots and i'm sure there was tons and tons of um b-roll that they just couldn't use because he probably swore i don't know Um, i heard that was a legend when it came to the genie that there was so much x-ray content that there was no way it would ever get into aladdin um they should release that cut i'd be happy to watch the version of aladdin where genie swears that'd be fantastic um but I love this movie. You know, there's there's a line in it, and I will mention it when I get around to the review. But there's a line in this film that I still to re- repeat to myself on my own to this day, uh, and it makes me giggle. And it's a simple line, and it just shows how childish I am. But I don't care because I, I I love these sort of things. But I'm gonna I'm gonna describe the scene. I'm just gonna say the line, and and I'm most likely gonna laugh when I do it. Uh, <laughs> basically, it goes. Um, the mayor was just being a boob. <laughs> I'm already laughing. Um, and then you just have Steve Carell's character being like, a boob? I, again, it, it's very childish. It's very silly. But it made me laugh when I first watched it. And it still makes me laugh today, okay? It, it's funny. And it's probably the only real sort of impression that I can do from this movie. Because, God, well, do, I, well, do I not want to try do a Jim Carrey impression? Because I'll just butcher that man's comic genius um but i've been really looking looking forward to to watching this movie not just for the memories and but for the the funny silly one-liners and also growing up with dr zeus how much that's that that book series and the author means to me growing up um you know growing up being dyslexic and struggling with the english language and and i had a big stutter so my teachers gave me poetry and rhymes to read and one of the most rhythmic see i'm doing it now rhythmic that word anyway the most rhyming sort of things that they would give me were dr zeus books and i would read horton here's a who green eggs and ham um the cat in the hat um i'm trying to think what else is there was another one um not the Grinch Star Christmas. There was another one where they go to war with each other because one side likes to- one toasted buttered and the other side doesn't like toast but- buttered. Um, loads of there's loads of silly different sort of books that come out from Doctor Zeus. But for me, Doctor Zeus was always one of them things. Again, cornerstone. It was always one of the things that just I love dearly because it means so much to me. And it was my foundation to for my not just speaking English and uh, being able to pronounce better and better to kind of get rid of my stutter somewhere. It's still there. Um, was using, you know, Dr. Zeus and the representation and, and the, the writing in his books really helped me as well as growing up with the, the likes of Jim Carrey's The Grinch and um, Cat in the Hat, which I know a lot of people don't like, but I actually really do like Cat in the Hat. Um, I like it even more than that. The more I grow up, I find it's more better now as an adult um and even this movie horton is a who and even there was another one they did and it um 
the Lorax. I really, really love the Lorax. That was made by Illumination Entertainment. Um, and maybe one day I'll get around to reviewing that one because I really do like that film as well. Um, I love the Lorax character so, so much. Um, so that's sort of my memories of, of Horton's Here's a Who. You know, it was like funny, very com- comedic. You know, I enjoy it now as an adult because it's still very much, um, still quite funny to me and there's still a lot of adult jokes in there that I quite like. Um, so I'm going to talk about the book now. Before we get into the review, this is one thing that I've never really done with any of the reviews for this series um, because the majority of them have just been sort of uh, original ideas. You know, it's, they've been up until this point. Horton Is Who was their fourth movie and it was Ice Age, Robots and then Ice Age 2. You know, so they haven't really, it's all been original ideas. So I figured for Horton Is Who, I just wanted to give a brief sort of description of, of the children's book and that sort of thing. So... Um, Horton Is Who is a children's book written and illustrated by Theodore Zeus Jesserell um, under the pen name Dr. Zeus. It was published in 1954 by Random House. This book tells the story of Horton the Elephant and his adventure saving Whoville, a tiny planet located on a speck of dust from the animals who mock him. These animals attempt to steal and burn the speck of dust. So Horton goes to great lengths to save Whoville from being incinerated. A person's the person, no matter how small, is the most popular line from Horton is a Who and also serves as the major moral theme that Dr. Zeus conveys to his audience. Horton endures her harassment for care to care for and ensure the safety of the who's who represent the insignificant Horton here's a who has been well received in libraries schools and homes across the world book the book has been adapted as a 1970 television special and a 2008 animated film by Blue Sky Studios and 20th Century Fox and much of its plot was incorporated into the Broadway musical production there's actually oh the god there's a Broadway musical called Zeusical. I gotta look into this. Zeusical is a musical com- uh, comedy by Lynn Ahrens and Stephen Faraday, based on the many children's stories of Doctor Zeus, with most of its plot being based on Horton is Who, Grizzle McFuzz, and uh, Horton hatches an egg. While incorporating many other stories, the musical's name is a Promantitou of Zeus and the word musical following its Broadway debut in 2000. The show was widely panned by critics and closed in 2001. Ah, oh, that's a shame. With huge financial losses and it has spawned two US national tours and a West End production and has become a frequent production for schools and regional theatres. So that's why I haven't heard of it. It basically didn't do very well. Um, that's a shame. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the musical. We're here to talk about Horton Here's a Who. Um, bit of a background for you. Uh, Gressel, or Dr. Zeus, began work on Horton Here's a Who in the fall of 1953. It is his second book to feature Horton the Elephant, with the first being Horton Hatches an Egg. The Who's would rather would, would later appear in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The book's main theme, A Person's a Person No Matter How Small, was Dr. Zeus's reaction to his visit to Japan where the importance of the individual was an exciting new concept. Dr. Zeus, who had harboured strong anti-Japanese sentiments before and during World War II, changed his views dramatically after the war and used this book as an allegory for the American post-war occupation of the country. His comparison of the Who's and the Japanese was a way for him to express his willingness for uh, companionship. Dr. Zeus strived to replay 
rely the message that the Japanese should be valued equally, especially in a stressful post-war era. He dedicated the book to a Japanese friend. That's quite nice. I didn't know that. That's, a, that's quite quite beautiful, actually. Um, I'd also I've got I also have the book in front of me here. Um, I, I I do own the book. Uh, of course I do. <laughs> um, but I wanted to read you a few ex um, excerpts uh, from the from the beginning of the book. I won't read it all because I really don't want to. Um, get sort of sort of flagged for copyright, so I'm going to read it all. Um, but for my great friend Mizuri Namakura of Kyoto, Japan. Oh, that's quite lovely. Okay, you ready? On the 15th of May, in the jungle of Nu, in the heat of the day, in the cool of the pool, he was splashing, enjoying the jungle's great joys, when Horton the when Horton the elephant heard a small noise. So Horton stopped splashing. He looked towards the sound. That's funny, thought Horton. There's no one around. Then he heard it again. Just a very faint yelp, as if someone, some tiny person was calling for help. I'll help you, said Horton. But who are you? Where? He looked and looked. He could see nothing there, but a small speck of dust blowing past through the air. Oh, really a little one. It's just the introduction, but... It, it's quite beautiful, isn't it? It's quite lovely, and that's what I love about Doctor Zeus' sort of stories. You know, he he does rhyme so well, and I haven't really saw anybody who could do the rhyming and storytelling as well as Doctor Zeus. He is the best. Right, so uh, where am I? So I'm going to talk about sort of the production of the film uh, that went into it. So after the critical and commercial failure of the 2003 film Cat and the Hat. It was a failure, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, Dr. Zeus's widow, Audrey Grissel, I'm, I'm probably butchering the last name, I do apologise, was so unhappy with the film that she then decided not to allow any more live-action features films based on his work. In March 2005, at Blue Sky Studios was completing Robots, the studio and 20th Century Fox president, Chris Melodrani, Again, I'm butchering that last name, I'm sure. Asked Gressel about getting the adaptation rights for Horton Hears a Who. The art director for Robots, Steve Martino, along with story consult consultant and additional scene director, Jimmy Hayward, created a model for, of protagonist Horton and some animation tests to showcase their design ideas for Gressel, who eventually agreed on a seven-figure deal for both the book and its predecessor, Horton Hatches the Egg. Um, blah, blah, blah. Gressel was credited as a supervising producer and watched production up close and also gave the director, director's full access to her late husband's archives including his original sketches, 3D sculptures, work done for the film The 5,000 Fig Fingers of Dr. T, 1953 and even mementos Dr. Zeus traded with Chuck Jones during the production of the Grinch TV special for reference in doing the, the character animation along with footage of the voice actors performing their lines the blue sky animators recorded themselves performing the script in an acting room to see what of uh, what of their body language could translate well into the film to make Horton different from the look from and look different compared to the mammoths Blue Sky Studio worked on for Ice Age, he would at times be able to stand and walk upright on two legs, making him somewhat bipe bipedal, in a way that made him look like a fat man in an elephant suit. 
While the design had a major difference from the original book, with a bigger mouth to allow for wider facial expressions like those of Jim Carrey, as the directors noticed Horton's design in the book varied according to his emotions, in the 3D wireframe tried to allow for the same effect. So that's to give you an idea of the production. Um, yeah, this is a story I've heard before about uh, Dr. Zeus's widow, basically because how bad the cat in the hat did, um, and how bad it was in reviews, and it didn't do well in terms of money. She basically wiped her hands clean. She's like, no, we're no, we're no longer doing any more live-action Dr. Zeus um, properties at all. Like, the cat in the hat ruined it. Um, and that's why nowadays you won't see sort of the Horton Hears Who live-action, because she said no. Which, again, I don't blame her. Even though I, I quite enjoy the cat and hat, I don't blame her for putting her hands up and going, no, um, for basically seeing how much it was panned and, you know, trying to protect her husband's legacy. I completely understand. So luckily, for people like myself who enjoy Dr. Zeus, Horton Here's a Who um, came out and was a quite excess and was received quite well, um, which means that we managed to get the likes of the Lorax and then they made a Grinch live-action movie, which, again, I really, really didn't like, mainly because the original live-action Grinch with Jim Carrey is perfect and it didn't need an animated sequel, uh, animated like remake, but they did it because of money. Again, I don't think like it was needed, but you know we managed. We got the Lorax and the Horton Hears a Who, so I'm I'm happy. And also, we also we also got Green Eggs and Ham on Netflix. Which, if you haven't watched Green Eggs and Ham, please do. Don't be put off because it's Doctor Zeus. Don't be put off because it's it's kiddie. It's fantastic, incredibly adult, incredibly smart. There's like one episode that is like ripped straight out of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I ain't gonna say any more, but it's freaking awesome. Ah, oh, love it. Especially if you're a Dr. Zeus fan. Or even if you're not, you're going to love it. If you have kids or you don't have kids, you're going to love it. Just watch Green Eggs and Ham on Netflix, both season one and season two. You will. It's got Michael Douglas in it, okay? You'll be in love. Just watch it, please. Anyway, moving on. So the cast that we have, we have Steve Carell. We've got as Ned McDonald, who is the mayor of Whoville. Uh, you've got Jim Carrey as Horton. Will Annette as Vlad Vladikoth. Uh, Seth Rogen as Morton. Uh, Carol uh, Burnett as can as Kangaroo, Jonah Hill as Tommy, uh, Aisha Fisher as Dr. Mary Lou LaRue, and Jesse McCarthy, um, McCartney, McCartney, yeah, McCartney as Jojo. Um, you've got Amy Poehler as Sally O'Malley, uh, Joey King as Katie, Dan Fogler as Yoma Wickers, Selena Gomez as Helga, Jamie Presley as Miss McQuiggan. Joss Flitter as Ruby, um, Laura Quitz as Jessica. It could, I could go on and on and on. The amount, the amount of people that were in this movie. Um, I didn't even know that Dan Fogler was in this film. I love Dan Fogler. He's not in enough films, if you ask me. Um, and to end it all off, just before uh, we get we sort of get to the actual review, because I know I've been talking for 22 minutes here, um, I just wanted to mention the Rotten Tomatoes score. Now, before I mention the score, one thing I will say is that never... Like, Rotten Tomatoes score is, is fantastic, but never take it as gospel. I've said this loads multiple times in other reviews, but never take Rotten Tomatoes score as gospel. Simply because, because the tomato meter is fans. You know, tomato meter is reviewers. That's what that's for, right? And the audience score is what, is what people have put in. Um, but when it comes to the tomato meter, that's reviewers. That's their opinion. You know, that's not 
down to me or you or Joe Blow at the end of the day. You know, so if reviewers didn't like it, that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. And I've seen a lot of movies that have had a low tomato score, but are still pretty good. You know what I mean? So never take it um, to, as gospel. But Hornets Who received an 80% certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes and had a 73 audience score, which pretty good. Uh, then you've got um, the likes of Madagascar, which was a pretty good film. Only got a 55%, but a 66% audience re- like review. So audience liked it, reviewers didn't. Uh, it's the same for the likes of Shrek Forever After. That got 50, 57%, which was classed as rotten. Ice Age and the Dawn of the Dinosaurs only got 46 um, But Monsters vs. Aliens, which I love, which is underrated, um, only got 74% fresh. And Madagascar 2, Escape from Africa, got a 64%. You know, so it varies. You know, it always really does. But I just wanted to mention the Rotten, Rotten Tomato scores while I had it here. Um, but yeah, I that that's the introduction. I know it's been a bit of a long one, but I wanted to talk more about the production and also give you sort of talking a bit more about the book. Uh, if it wasn't for the book part of it, I probably would have been a lot shorter. Uh, but it's Dr. Zeus. There's a lot to talk about it, you know. And you have to think this was Blue Sky Studios' first real opportunity to show what they could do with another IP. You know, we've seen what they can do with their own ideas, with their own concepts. Now this is them taking an IP that already exists and translating it from book to film um, in animation and try to best to well, try their best to see what they could come up with and, and how well it came out. And my opinion is, I, like as I do with most of my uh, movie reviews, I haven't seen the film yet, which I have, but I haven't re-watched the film yet as recording this. But I'm sure... I loved it then. I've loved it since I've watched it recently. And I'm going to love it now. Um, they did a fantastic job. And yeah. So on to the review of Horton His Who by Blue Sky Studios. Okay. Let's get into it, shall we? So. Horton Here's a Who. So I've just finished watching the movie and honestly, it's as wonderful and as charming and as silly and as great as I remember it being, to be honest. And it, as I was watching it, it reminded me as to why I love Dr. Zeus so much is because, well, I was actually thinking of this while I was watching the movie. I am, as most people know who, who listen to my reviews, and if you don't, I'm, I'm going to inform you now, but I'm an avid book reader. I'm a bookaholic. You know, I, there's, I never go anywhere without a book with me. I'm always listening to an audio book. I've always got some sort of story or, or event or something like that going on in my head constantly. And some of my favorite authors are the ones that are very clever where they convey to you a sort of topic or an event or um, some sort of movement shall we say but without actually sort of in your face um, for example I'm a big fan of Terry Pratchett and I recently read uh, the book Monstrous Regiment now I know I'm here to talk about Horton Here's Who and I won't go into this long but the reason I, I want to talk about this at the beginning uh, is to kind of reinforce what I bring in, in, in later Um but as I said, I've read the book Monstrous Regiment. And to kind of give you the rough notes of this book, uh, it's a story about a girl named Polly. It's kind of very much in the vein of Mulan, where her brother goes missing in the army. So she decides to 
cut her hair short, um, to act and to pretend to be a man, to join the army, to go look for her, her brother. Uh, within doing so in the events of the story, without getting into spoilers, um, she realises that the army is not what she thought it would be and that there are a lot of themes and that there are a lot of um, story beats in the story which kind of make you think in terms of you know female empowerment, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man, and other things like that. It's a wonderful book. It, it's, it's a hidden gem. But the reason I bring it up is those sort of subliminal messages, those sort of notes and so sort of key points are all laced into that story. But it's in layers. It's done in such a way it's so clever that you we're learning different things you're learning different causes and events and the, and the struggles that different people go through you're learning all these different facets without actually being told why you should feel the way they do or why this character feels the way they do you're learning without being taught you know what i mean and it's done perfectly with kids um, and i'm not in you could even sit there and say it's subliminal messaging that it's trying to to sort of um brainwash you and all that you could say that yeah but I love these sort of writers like Terry Pratchett, like Dr. Zeus, like Douglas Adams, and I can go on and on and on of these fantastic authors that were so clever in how, just in clever in general, but so clever in the way that they conveyed a story and conveyed a sort of topic or uh, event or movement or whatever was going on in the world at the time and done it in such a way that made you laugh, made you feel, made you think, made you just sit there and go, if you really properly thought about it, there was a lot more to this story than just a few giggles and, you know, British humour. You know, there's a lot more to it. And Dr. Zeus had a fantastic way of doing that with his stories. He had such a fantastic way of conveying to you a thing that he disagreed with. For example, Horton is a Who, as I said in, in the introduction, Horton is a Who was fr basically was born out of Dr. Zeus being an anti-Semite, you know, uh, but then go into Japan, seeing what the what Americans had done to it, see how the rest of the world treated Japan after the war and seeing that sort of really changed his opinion on, on, on the world and, and, and how we treat others and that's where the whole idea of a person's a person no matter how small and that sort of thing of like you've got to treat everybody equally but again when you're a kid you might not notice that you just kind of learn the lesson of be good to other people don't judge people because something that you can't see and all that sort of thing so um, that's why I love Dr. Zeus it reminded me of how clever it is. And I feel like Blue Sky Studios was, was a fantastic um, studio to actually be asked to do this. Um, I, I, because as I've, I've, as I've stated in the, in the past reviews, when I reviewed Ice Age, when I reviewed Robots, when I reviewed Ice Age 2, Blue Sky Studios did things subliminally and, and get told you stories and taught you lessons without you realising the lessons that you were taught. You know what I mean? Like, for example, Ice Age. Manny learns not to, learns to change, not to to his he, through his emotional sort of journey, from losing his family to humans to becoming very cynical, being very sort of grungy, being very much I hate everybody, I hate everything. I'm on my own. I'm the lone survivor and all that. To meeting um, Diego, meeting Sid, you know, meeting the baby and kind of his opinion changes. So by the time he gets to the end of the movie, um, he is now he's got his herd again, he's got his friends, he's got his new family, and also he's changed his mind on humans. And it teaches you that, you know, your the trauma of your past should not affect who you become in the future. You know what I mean? Same thing with robots. You can shine no matter what you're made of. Don't judge others. Help other people. Be there for others. Um, if you have the ability to help, help. 
you know what I mean? Uh, don't let the don't just you know forget about people. Push people to the curb if you see somebody in need. See a need, fill a need. You know these different subtexts again. You could happily sit and watch Robots and Ice Age and not see any of this. But it's not until you properly sit down and, and you listen and you look and you visually see what they're trying to convey to you that you notice these things, right? And it's not just um, Blue Sky. You know, DreamWorks have done it, Pixar, Disney. most All movies and anime studios have been doing this for a long, long time. But specifically, Blue Sky was perfect for Dr. Zeus because they had always, always been doing it. Dr. Zeus... You know, his lifeblood with all his stories was to sort of retell events of history, but in a way that kids will understand and to teach kids a lesson. You know what I mean? Um, so that's one thing I wanted to mention was the fact of Blue Sky was a fantastic choice for this movie because of that. And that moves me on to, to pretty much... I forgot how beautiful this movie was. You know, it was 2008. Animation was getting better. And obviously Blue Sky, I, from watching them from Ice Age, where I think it looked a bit sort of waxy. Don't get me wrong, it still looked amazing for the time. But when you watch it now, and everything looks very waxy. Then you've got robots and everything looks better and more beautiful. That's because the whole organic and non-organic. Whereas it's easier to make things look gorgeous when they're not flesh. When it doesn't, it's not meant to look what like realistic, you know what I mean? When it looks like metal, you can play around and do more things with the effects and visuals. Whereas when you're trying to do something that's furry or meant to be somewhat um, humanoid or like an animal sort of thing, it looks somewhat janky you know what i mean so going through the idea of pushing their engine or, or their technology they used and doing something that was in the vein of dr zeus works perfectly and it, it does they've managed to blue sky has managed to take the book and take the page and translate it perfectly to screen you know for this being their first license-based pro project because again before this they just did ice age and robots so that's all they were known for that's all they'd done they'd, they hadn't really cut their teeth on a license-based um, project so for them to be able to come along and be like this is what we can do we can sh you know take our engine, our sort of quality that we've got and we can translate it from book to screen and they did that perfectly and as i mentioned in the introduction they were they for Horton they wanted to not just take sort of Jim Carrey and his mannerisms and, and the way he moves and the way he, he acts, but they also wanted to make sure that Horton could not be compared to Manny. Um so they pretty much took Horton and they made him more bipedal. So he could stand up on two legs, that he he had more versatility. Like yes, he was still an elephant, but he could still be very nimble and very sort of moving around. As well as sort of taking the style from Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus's illustrations, Dr. Zeus's world, um, and really convey like this is a book to screen adaptation and done perfectly. And they do it really, really well. Um, and there are many moments where like, because again, I've, I've got a copy of the book where, you know, you'd look at the page of the book and then you'd look at the screen and like, they've done that so well. And it's the reason why I love the, the live action and I even like the, the, anim the, the animated um, versions of Dr. Zeus's stories because Dr. Zeus's world is wacky. It's crazy. I love how the ingenuity of it, where like you've got simple things of like, let's not build wheels. Let's just have a wheel made out of hands. And, you know, that makes sense. You know, in, in this world, it does. Like instead of um, making a sort of basket where people and put a balloon on it, let's just get a bucket and 
get a um, umbrella and then point it in the wind and go. It all makes sense in this world, and I love it. And that's what I think I've always loved about Doctor Zeus is that it's wacky, it's crazy, it's zany, it's silly. But again, logically, it makes sense in a way. Like not in our world, it makes sense, but in their world, yeah. You know, why wouldn't you, if you needed a helping hand, why wouldn't you have an extra hand that you just pull out, you know, in in a like device thing and use that to climb you know it all logically makes sense. i just like it you know it, it it appeals to my brain it really does artistically so they did a fantastic job of conveying that book to screen really really well in in the look of the characters and how um they all act and and feel and the world it all just trying to imagine me as a 10 year old and any kids watching at the time how best if you hadn't what read anything by dr zeus how best to convey how this world looks and how this world feels and they do a great job of that and it would and even if i hadn't already read dr zeus i would have happily gone you know what i now want to read dr zeus i want to see how his world looks in sort of in a book form so i I like that i really really enjoy that they managed to convey that so well and the direction that they went in was really, really well done um also jim carrey's run as horton for me, felt akin to Robin Williams's sort of genie, where with Robin Williams when they did the genie, I've I've seen a few documentaries on it, where they tried their best to, whenever somebody does voice work, whenever anybody does voice acting, that you're always mostly being recorded, and that's so that the animators can look how you pronounce a word or look how you pre- act out a certain scene. Um, and then they tried to translate into the animation so that the action, so if you're out of breath while you're doing a certain scene and however the actor looks, that's how the character in the movie should look. You know what I mean? So it's something they've always done. With Robin Williams, they tried their best. He's very sporadic. He's very erratic. It was always hard to kind of keep up with him. And it's one of those things where they just went ham, like ham. With, with the genie and they just made loads of different sort of variations of how we would move how we would look and obviously with robin williams kept changing character and one moment he was him then, then he was the genie then he was nick um jack nicholson and it must have been a nightmare to keep up and it reminded me of that when i was watching this again with jim carrey because again he's again he's a loon he's, he's he's hilarious but he's mad he's crazy he's erratic he's sporadic he's never sits still you know he is a quintessential clown in a good way you know i don't mean in a bad way like he is a quintessential clown he's the funny man and with all the voices in the movie world like there are moments that are granted yes i know horton is an elephant and i'm not saying jim carrey looks like an elephant right but there are moments where you look at it you you can see the jim carrey mannerisms in horton's face or the way his eyes work or times where jim carrey would would change his voice and how for example there's a moment in the film where jim carrey just goes off uh, well, Horton, should I say, goes off, and then he's pretending he's having a fight in a pub, and he turns into like a, uh, a well, I was going to say, sort of Manhattan, sort of Irish, sort of sort of boxer, and he he put he changes his head, he, well, his head changes his ears, and his ears, they, I think it's fantastic how they use Horton's ears to change like if he's wearing a hat, and they they make like little feather hats, and then he can have like a little sort of duster sort of. Um, what's what they called now sort of the peaky blinders sort of cap sort of hat on and he's doing fighting and i loved how they used horton's big ears in that way and it, it also best to convey this radicalism that's a word of jim carrey's sort of way his mannerisms and the way he moves so i think they they did a perfect job of that and i just love 
the animations in this movie. There's even a part in this film where they have this whole sort of Studio Ghibli sort of anime section. And it's fantastic. And as I was watching that section, I was like, we need to see, I want to see Studio Ghibli do a Horton Hears a Who. You know what I mean? I want to see their version of, of a Dr. Zeus story. What would that look like? How would that feel? And this is, I'm just thinking about it now, like their art style and how each one of their movies are different, how perfect it would work. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm currently watching through the Studio Ghibli movies um, and I, I'm just adoring all of them because I've never watched any of them before. So I'm, I, that's like a new thing for me that I'm really getting into. Um, but yeah, just to think what they could do with it, it, it it's wonderful. Like, like imagine uh, Illumination Studios. I was going to say Imagination Studios. Illumination Studios now kind of have the mantle of, of Dr. Zeus. And I will look into the Lorax. That's something that I really want to look into because I love the Lorax. I've got a lot to say about the Lorax, not just the film, but the Lorax character in general. It's one of my favorite uh, fictional characters of all time. Um, but also, you know, the way that they use their style, which still feels the same. Like you could easily, like, it's. I'm trying the best way to explain it. You take Blue Sky Studios, the way they animate, and you take Illumination. I'm not saying they're one and the same, but how the world of Dr. Zeus looks and feels. It feels like you could take, you know, these two different studio projects, the Lorax and Horton is a Who, and you could put them together and they would still feel like they're in the same world because obviously the characters all look the same because they have to. But it's it's the animation that just works so well that you could easily watch Horton is a Who and then the Lorax and not know that it was two different studios doing them. You know, and that's just the power of animation, but also the wonderful world of... of um, Dr. Zeus. But yeah, I just... I, f I just fell back in love with Dr. Zeus from watching this movie. Uh, it, it was better than I thought it was going to be. And I love coming back to looking at Blue Sky Studios because every time I watch one of their movies, and you've probably noticed whenever I do any of these Remembering Blue Sky movie uh, reviews, is I always get not just nostalgia, but I also get that feel of um, home. I get that feel of, of comfortability because, you know, I, granted, I, I grew up with Ardman. I grew up with uh, Pixar. I was very lucky to kind of be grew up in, in sort of the Renaissance age of, of Disney with like Emperor's New Groove and uh, Treasure Planet Atlantis and all those sort of movies. I was lucky to grow up sort of that sort of generation. But Blue Sky Studios, they always just felt homely. You know what I mean? They always just had a feeling of welcome back. You know, and for the nostalgia side of me, it just feels good. And the, the way that they used to convey stories, or that they would take stories and do it in a certain way, just feels good to me. It, it, I don't know what it is. They just, deaf movies speak more to me, my brain and my logic and the way I think than most of animated studios do. They don't just appease my mind, but they appease my visual. They appease my my sense of 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 personality of you know my my comedy my humor my logic the way i think the way i feel the the way i, I perceive the world and they just had a very clever way of telling stories now granted and i've said this a few times granted let i'll admit they went a bit too far with the ice age movies and we'll get to those and i can't wait to get to those because you know it'd be fun to go back to some of those movies because i i've i haven't seen those movies as much as i've seen these sort of early films man yeah out of choice really not because they weren't on tv man because i just decided not to um but yeah blue sky 
I don't know. Every time I come back to this series, it's 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 like putting on a, on a, a pair, old pair of shoes or an old coat. It just feels right, you know. Um, it's a shame they're gone, and I I know I always say that it generally is because they took the the world of Doctor Zeus, they made it their own, but they also was faithful to the source material. They were faithful to uh, the uh, license. They were faithful to everything. You know, they just they made it their own, but they also knew what they had to do, and they did it well. You know, sadly, um, I've never read the the sequel book to Horton is Who Horton, uh, I think, hatches an egg. Um, I've never read it. I don't know the story to it. Obviously, as I said in the introduction, there was a plan to do the two Horton movies. I'm not really sure as to why the second movie didn't go through. Maybe this one didn't make enough money, or. Uh, the sort of the lady that Dr. Zeus's widow, maybe she decided she didn't want to do it. Maybe she wanted to go in a different direction. There's many different things. I don't know the full story, but I'm glad we only got one in a way. Like I would have liked to see what they do more. Like I would have liked to see them have their, have their way at the green eggs and ham, um, which again, if you haven't watched green eggs and ham on Netflix, I know it's an introduction, go watch it. It's, it's fantastic. It's not just for kids. There are so many adult jokes in it. It's fantastic. Um, and it's got Kurt D- Michael Douglas in it, and you can't go wrong with Michael Douglas. But yeah, um, where was I going with this? There, there was a point. There was a point, and I think I've lost it. Hold on. Uh, oh, yeah. I would have liked to see what they did more, but at the same stage, I am happy that they only got one shot at it, because they put their all into that one shot, and they gave it their all, and it all worked. And I can't wait till we get to the Peanuts movie because the Peanuts movie, again, Charlie Brown, Peanuts, I live in the UK. It's not really a thing here. Like It's known about, but it's not as big as it is in America, right? So I had a vague knowledge of what the Peanuts movie was. And then when I finally watched the Peanuts movie that was done by them a couple of years later, um, I still to this day feel like it's an underrated gem of an animated movie that hardly anybody talks about. It came and it went. It did really well. But it just came and went, and that was it. Nobody ever spoke about it. And again, that was another one of those licensed products that they did, which was fantastic. But nobody ever seems to talk about. Um, so that's another thing I can't get, can't get can't wait to get around to. Um, but yeah, they were just a special studio. They really, really was. And I, I can't wait to get onto the next one. I think the next one actually is another Ice Age movie. So for all of you beans that really, really enjoyed uh, my Ice Age reviews, um, funny enough, my Ice Age two review is actually my most popular review on YouTube. Well, one of my most popular. I think it's my third most popular review, uh, content, whatever, um, on YouTube. Like I think number one is my live-action Pinocchio, and then number two is Black Panther, one, Wakanda Forever, and then number three at 43, 44 um, views um, is my Ice Age uh, Meltdown review, which, again, I don't understand why, but then again, it makes sense because everybody loves Ice Age. It's like everybody loves Shrek. People just love these old nostalgic sort of films. Uh, so definitely, you know, I can't get... It's going to be fun to talk about that. I, I quite enjoy that one, mainly because I love dinosaurs and I, I love the craziness of Buck. Um, so that should be fun to get into. But for now, Horton is a who. This is, I know it's not very long. I didn't talk about the movie a lot, um, mainly because there's not a lot more to go into it, Like you've, if I'm being honest. But... I enjoyed it for what it was, and I do recommend you to go. I do. I trust. I would rather watch this than watch Ice Age Two. Again, I don't hate Ice Age Two, as I stated in that review. Please do go back and listen to my Ice Age review, listen to my Robots review, listen to the Ice Age Two review. They're all down below if you haven't checked them out. Please do go check them out. But I, 
yeah, I, I would just rather watch this one. It's simply put. Um, but that is it. That That's all I have to say about Horton is a Who. Fantastic film. Fantastic translation from book to screen. Uh, Blue Sky Studios did a fantastic job. And yeah, I highly recommend it. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. If you have watched it, you probably have kids now. Or you might not have kids. You might do. I don't know. I don't know who you are. You know, I don't want to sort of assume because if you was, uh, is it if I if you assume you make an ass out of you and I or you and me or something like that. My dad. It's one of my old dads. My dad's saying. I don't, I've never understood when he says it. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> if you haven't watched it or it's been a long time since you've watched it, definitely go out and, and watch Horton Here's a Who. You will enjoy it. It's it's it is a fun time. You know, there's stuff in there for adults. There's stuff in there for kids. The underlying sort of meaning and topic would be is done well as you would figure from uh, Dr. Zeus, but also well in, in, in a movie sort of standpoint, uh, you know, a person's the person about how small don't judge people. Don't um, be mean to people. Look out for others. Listen to people. Just be a good person. Really. That that's the, that's the state. That's the, that's the overarching staple of it. You know, be there for everybody and just do what you can to be a good person. And if you can do that, you'll have an easy and better life. Um, but that, yes, yeah, so that's my review of Horton Here's a Who. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely enjoyed it. Um, so on to the end now. Right, on to the end. So here we are at the end. Thank you very much for sticking me to the very end. It, it means the world to me. Um, because it means you enjoyed it. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. Otherwise, you've, you've forgotten and you listen to this in the background and you've, you're not even in the room. I'm just talking to myself at the moment. If I am, hello, dead air. Uh, <laughs> hello, the ghost in your bedroom. How are you doing? How's the goal? <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm being a bit weird. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a good mood, as you can tell. But yeah, so that was my Horton Here's a Who review. As you can tell, I really, really love Dr. Zeus. I'm a big fan of Dr. Zeus's work and his writings. And I'm a big fan of uh, Blue Sky Studios and their animation. And just Horton Here's a Who. It's a fantastic film. It's great for all ages. It's it's uh, real joy. Um, so thank you very much for sticking me to the end. Um, if you want to see more things that I talk about, you want to be updated of whenever I'm going to, what topic I'm going to look at, or if I'm what I'm playing, what I'm watching, what I'm reading, you know, all that jazz. Um, follow me on Twitter at the nerdstalgic underscore pod for updates and everything that I'm doing. Um, also, you can find this podcast on Spotify. You can find me on Anchor. You can find me on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts. Also, you can find me on Audible. Just go into Audible, type in my podcast in the search bar, you find me there. Also, if you listen to this on YouTube, don't forget to give me a like, comment, and subscribe and share to ring my bell and then to subscribe. But most importantly, subscribe and ring my bell because if you ring my bell, you get notifications of when I upload an episode. So how I tend to do it is that I will release an episode on Spotify on the Saturday, and then I really upload that episode onto YouTube the following day on the Sunday. So that's... Um, that that's how that works also if you listen to this on spotify don't forget to give me a, a, a rating um, one to five stars if you go to my profile on spotify there'll be a little star thing on, on, on underneath if you click on that you get a choice between one to five stars five stars best thing you ever heard in your life you too love dr zeus and you think he's just as amazing as i do um or one star you completely disagree you don't like dr zeus you never liked him you you've all, you get too tongue-tied and you're just like ah, i don't like words um, whatever you feel like is fair one to five stars um Please do let me know. It really, really helps. It helps me go up the algorithm playlist, however. I don't know how Spotify works. I really don't understand it, but that's just how it works. The better ratings, the more you're seen. So, yeah, so that's, that's basically it. 
really from me. Um, I'm going to end now because otherwise I'm going to sit here and waffle on for a bit too longer. So I'm just going to say thank you ever so much for listening to the Nerds Dadget podcast. I've been Luke, your host. Um, it's an absolute pleasure uh, for your time and for you to listen to me. And I hope to catch you in the next one. All right. Bye-bye.